We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lurecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me, as always, is my fellow host, Daniel. Huh? And Ariel. Huh? <laughs> so done with you, too. Uh, it's good to be back in the studio. Huh? Huh? <laughs> what? New studio, who dis? New studio, who dis? <clears throat> so, uh... Yeah, where we uh, where what were we talking about last time? Oh, oh yeah, Resident Evil Extinction. So today we're gonna keep talking about that, right? Huh? huh? I hate you too. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, today's episode we're gonna go into discussion mode for Resident Evil Extinction. But before we do, huh? What? Yeah. If you're looking for answers, you're not going to get any. I hate you both. Do you, though? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You make my job so much harder than it has to be. <laughs> Never. Emotional. <sighs> We're going to talk about characters. And Christmas posts. And Christmas posts. So, Ariel, you're up first. What do you got for characters? Usually it's Daniel, but I guess if you want me to go first. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I've already talked about Alice and Carlos. So, I'm going to start with Claire. Huh? It's yeah. not funny when yeah, you do you it. Yeah, you can't do it. It's, it's not the same. It's not the same. So, Claire is a survivor of the T-virus pandemic and leader of the convoy. She's the sister of Chris and was said to be searching for him. Even though that never really came up. And as the leader of the convoy, her primary goal is protection and survival of the survivors. And supplies and ammunition and fuel are running low. So there's little that Claire can do to keep the morale up. And that's basically what I have on Claire. Because the rest happens in the movie. Now, we brought up Dr. Isaac's last movie, but I didn't really talk about him, so now I am, because he was, you know, major role in this one. So, Isaac's was born around 2002 as part of a top-secret doomsday project, wherein a number of VIPs from within and outside of the corporation were to be placed in suspended animation in Raccoon City's Hive Complex, and have their clones assume their respective roles and inevitably die in a planned pandemic. In Isaac's case, he was a clone of Umbrella's chairman, Dr. Alexander Roland Isaacs. 
He was not allowed to know this information, however, and was given implanted memories to fit the role of a senior researcher. With the real Isaac's aide, Albert Wesker, assuming the position of chairman. When the hive fell to a T-virus outbreak, Isaacs recovered infected survivors, Alice and Matt, and this was in, you know, the first movie, and began research on them in Umbrella's medical facility within Raccoon City Hospital, where they were exposed to large viral loads of T-virus to stimulate mutation. So over the next five years, Isaacs became Umbrella's senior most remaining researcher and placed in charge of their science division. He would remain within the walls of an underground facility in the Mojave Desert under the control of Slater. Slater. Being the last remaining North American outpost, Slater and Isaacs served in international committee meetings as representatives of North America in general, with Slater representing administrative matters and Isaacs scientific. During a meeting around 2007, Isaacs presented his findings on the undead, where he determined they did not require sustenance and could survive for decades, even without food. Rather than find ways to eradicate the undead, Isaac's research steered instead towards easing the symptoms of the T-virus disease so the undead could regain some degree of cognitive ability and serve the human survivors as a docile workforce. For this, however, he required a blood sample from Alice. And having gone off the grid some years prior, this was not a simple solution. Isaacs' research on the undead continued, though, and a test subject, Ice Hockey, was captured to test out his antibody hypothesis. By exposing the man to an Alice clone's blood, Ice Hockey developed an immunity to the T-virus, as predicted, and was seen to demonstrate rudimentary rational thinking comparable to a young child. The unexpected side effect of this, however, was that the man was now prone to fits of rage and more dangerous than he was before. Introducing the super undead. (laughs) Super duper undead. So, yeah, basically the rest of what happened is what happened in the movie. So that is a little bit there on Isaacs. And I'm going to go to Betty. So Betty acted as the official medic for the convoy survivors and served as a love interest for LJ with whom she openly flirted with and spent time with throughout most of the film and she like everyone else was unaware of LJ's infected bite <sighs> and unfortunately she got overwhelmed by the crows and that's how she died on the bus I liked Betty I'm going to go to Mikey. Mikey's role was to oversee communication, radio for survivors, and help activate the perimeter. So he was kind of like the tech guy. He was also the driver of an old news van, which he had outfitted with a large number of computer and communication systems. And unfortunately, he met his demise in Las Vegas, fighting the super undead. So that is Mikey. Let's do Kmart, a.k.a. Rebecca. Not canon. Gosh. So 
Yeah, her real name is Elizabeth Jane Case. Sorry, guys. It's Rebecca. <laughs> so, Elizabeth Jane Case, a.k.a. Kmart, was a refugee of the pandemic. She lived for a time in Claire Redfield's convoy operating around the Mojave Desert. And during the, during the film, she is shown mostly riding with Claire. However, she does ride with Carlos and she is close with Carlos and Mikey. And she does befriend Alice and her whereabouts are unknown after they had left for Alaska. So hopefully, hopefully she is still alive out there somewhere. She's fine. Yeah, she's fine. (laughs) She probably opened up a new Kmart after, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe. She's a little late. Well, maybe in the Paul Anderson universe is still around. (laughs) It's the only store that didn't get it. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, So I'm going to jump into Slater. Although he was supposedly a subordinate to Isaacs, in reality, he answered directly to Wesker. Wesker had hopes that Slater would be a comfortable medium between the loyal incompetence of Major Kane and the brilliant ambition of Isaacs. So he was basically an umbrella executive, and he met his demise with the weird tyrant, not tyrant, Isaacs. Confusing. Tentacle Isaacs? I don't know. Tentacle Isaacs. So let's go into Chase. Chase was pretty badass as well. So he was responsible for maintaining the gas tanks and keeping watch, kind of like a sniper. And he sometimes had the nickname Cowboy. Not really too much on him. He met his demise on the Eiffel Tower. I'm sorry, but the cowboy dying on the Eiffel Tower was just the icing on the cake for me. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, but he went out in a badass way. Well, kind of. (laughs) Kind of. He was protecting the that random woman climbing up. Yeah. What he was doing was badass. How he died was not badass. True, but let's give him that. Come on, he's a cowboy. Daniel's over here making lasso motions. <laughs> and Wesker. But I'm not going to go into Wesker until all the films are done. And I'm just going to do a massive drop on Wesker. A massive Wesker drop. Massive Wesker drop. So I've already covered LJ. Let's go to Otto. I liked Otto. His role in the convoy was that of a driver and drove a renovated armored school bus designed to carry the convoy's children. His responsibilities included passing out food and having the weird ability to identify the contents of the cans by shaking them, which was kind of cool. Also, don't forget, he had the odd ability to look like a badass chimney sweep. He did. He he was cool. He was a cool guy. And unfortunately, he met his demise by the crows. Poor Otto. Was he counting them? He was. He counted them. It was a murder. A murder of crows. And I just want to add, 
here that um, now the group's screwed because they'll never know what's in those cans. <laughs> well, they were about out anyways. Well, it was a dying art, as he said. <laughs> it really was. There's that little hint. <laughs> so the last character I'm going to go into, I know there's a little bit more, but I'm not really going into rancid and all them. <laughs> is the White Queen. So the White Queen is a state-of-the-art supercomputer developed for use in Umbrella. It was designed as a counterpart to the Red Queen. And like the Red Queen, the White Queen was represented by the holographic avatar of a young girl. Unlike Red Queen, however, White Queen doesn't appear to act in any way that could be seen as malevolent. Her appearance and sedate nature appears disarming at first, but she also appears to have inherited a more accurate reflection of Angela's personality as well as a more human appearance, suggesting that she is a more advanced program than Red Queen. White Queen assisted Dr. Isaacs in tracking Alice and monitoring the progress of the Alice clones. And when confronted with the actions of Red Queen, she defended the measures taken by her sister computer, saying that Red Queen had taken the most logical steps to ensure the preservation of humanity. So when Isaacs mutated into the quote-unquote tyrant, White Queen responded in a similar fashion by trapping him and remaining trapping him and the remaining employees with, a, with an attempt to control the situation. And in exchange for allowing Alice to use the equipment for the antivirus, Alice had to get rid of Isaacs. So I got a little fun fact here for you guys. White Queen was originally supposed to be in the 2002 Resident Evil movie, Paul Anderson, where she would explain the global T-virus pandemic to Alice and Matt when they wake up in an umbrella research lab at the end of the film. She was also to be described earlier in the film as having fought against Red Queen in order to disable it. Succeeding after 2.7 seconds. <laughs> so White Queen's superior to the Red Queen then? Well, I mean, they said the White Queen is a more advanced program, so... But I'm kind of glad they didn't. I think that would have been a little much. Mm -hmm. Well, if you compare the two, it look, the Red Queen looks younger than the White Queen's, the actress. So yeah, to and me, it's more, you can tell the Red Queen is a little bit more animated, not, yeah. you know. But I think the White Queen being advanced, maybe that's why they, she looks a little older. Maybe, so I could see her being able to be like, well, I, I beat the Red Queen, no problem. <laughs> but I didn't turn the laser grid off because I was going to screw you over anyways. God. Oh, this is cool. This is another fun little fact. In the novelization for Resident Evil, the final chapter, it's revealed that White Queen and Red Queen are in fact the same AI. That's kind of cool. White Queen had simply been a different avatar of what Red Queen used at the request of Isaacs. While there had been differences in appearance and personality, White Queen had always been Red Queen in truth. So it was like Red Queen with an update. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take away the more the less killing. Mm-hmm. Ah. I don't think I like that one, though. 
I think I like them being two different AIs more than I like them being the same one just with an update. So yeah, that is all I have on characters. Well, Ariel's taking us on a wild ride. So Daniel, now it's your turn. What do we got for BOWs? It's all downhill from here now. <laughs> all right, so a couple of these we already know from previous installments, which would be the zombies, Red of the Mill zombies, though apparently chain link fences stop them. <laughs> we'll get there, Daniel. We'll get there. I just wanted to bring that up because I don't understand. But that's beside the point. Then also the zombie dogs, otherwise known as Cerberus, though I don't think the Paul Anderson universe ever calls them Cerberus. Mm-mm. Then we get to Aaron's favorite. Okay. <laughs> if you go back and listen to all the game stuff, he loves the crows. So there's not much information on the crows other than that they are infected crows that have been feeding on the undead. So they're still living creatures, which would also then make the assumption there's also, say, like vultures and stuff out there. Unless, like, a swarm of crows killed them because strength in numbers. The crows also seem to be more sound-based. As seen from when the can got dropped and that's when they started to react. They were all there. They kind of knew something was there, but didn't seem like they were too interested until somebody caused a disturbance. So that's why Aaron loves them, because crows will swarm you. So I do want to add something to these crows. I'm listening. So we also notice that uh, they will not attack unless they are in groups. Because the one that Alice first saw did not bother with her, but rather the body, because it was dead and not moving. And there was only the one crow. Well, I have a rebuttal for that. It's two words, Aaron. Plot armor. No. Yep. <laughs> Plot armor. It wanted uh, Stevie more than it wanted Alice. Which then... Well, never mind. <laughs> never. That's the crows. There's not much on those. Uh, apparently fire is deadly to them. No. Super deadly. Next, we have the super undead. So the super undead, while retaining a mindless and unnecessary hunger for human flesh, like the regular undead, they display significant increase in their intelligence. Unless they get mad, and then it goes out the window. Urgh, Hulk smash. It's like, it's like zombie barbarian. Zombie Hulk. Rage. <laughs> So I don't know. I wonder what would have happened if they allowed the zombie just to have the digital camera just go around. If he would have had a great bunch of great photos or just random like close-ups that did nothing. He's like a two-year-old with a camera. Yeah. She's got a bunch of feet pics. Or like real up-close <laughs> face pictures where it's just like part of his eye because he doesn't realize. But I think the flash, I was waiting for the flash of the camera to piss him off. Because it's, you know, sudden mm-hmm. and surprising. That's what I was waiting for when he first took the picture. I was like the flash is what's going to get him. No, it was a puzzle box and he didn't even summon Pinhead. Um. Anyways, they are stronger than regular zombies, though apparently weak to kukris and some fire to the head. <laughs> Unless you're Claire and you use your gun and fire, take body shots, clearly knowing zombies 
uh, weak two headshots. But uh, she was mad. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't change the fact. Don't you know bullets are in surplus now? But it also is said that they can also feel pain and exhibit some emotion, which we know the emotion from the rage and such, but I don't remember too much pain seen. Like, usually, anytime they were shot, they kind of shrugged it off. I don't think I really saw any pain. Not really. Mm-mm. Huh. Yeah, I don't... I didn't really see any pain demonstrated. The plus, if you're a super undead fan, is that their bite is also now more infectious after being experimented on with Alice's clone DNA, as Dr. Isaacs learned the hard way. And that is mostly what I have on the super undead, which I assume one of them got away. I would assume. I mean... I would assume a lot of them got away, especially since they didn't murder them all when they left. And were they all in one container? I understand the container is like 48, 50 feet long. Yeah, but you also couldn't see anything moving in there, which, yeah, plot armor. It's a container of holding. (laughs) Steve D reference, everybody. And last we have Dr. Isaacs as our tyrant wannabe. So not much is said about him as a tyrant, per se, though he does have some psychokinetic abilities, apparently. And he can grow out his arm into some weird tentacle... Come here, let me touch you, baby. <laughs> ...tentacle thing that attacks <laughs> Alice. And he gets... He's not affected like the other tyrants are, where if you damage him, he can get stronger. Yeah, because it was tyrants, wasn't it? You damaged him and he got stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he didn't necessarily get stronger he did have the regenerative yeah i was gonna say about the healing factor Mm -hmm. yeah he did have a a way over extraordinary healing factor compared to alice two peas in one pot (laughs) yeah okay we'll get to that he is the future i have complaints about alice and her powers (laughs) he doesn't have a designation much like the tyrants of the prime universe which is the games and the CGI movies, so we don't exactly have a tyrant number, but he is, I believe, Paul Anderson's attempt at making a tyrant in his way. So I will let that slide. His own special way to work. Yeah. But there isn't much on him other than he is stronger, uh, apparently has psychokinetic powers, extraordinary healing. And of course, he's Dr. Isaacs. The, another fact about that is Dr. Isaacs was. Is named Jason Isaacs in that, which is named after the actor. Mm-hmm. The unnamed William Burke, an actor from the first movie. Oh, really? It's Jason yeah. Isaacs. That's where he got his name, Dr. <laughs> Isaacs. That was a fun thing there. But yeah, there isn't much on the tyrant version of Dr. Isaacs other than what you get to see. Well, I guess on that note. I have something I want to add before the mid break. Mm. So. I didn't do it for the last movie, Apocalypse. I'm going to do it for this one, the Extinction soundtrack. Okay. I just want to, like, you should go out and buy this. (laughs) You've got Losing from Charlie Clouser, which is just a little thing. It's not really a... And then you have... 
Catch Me from City Sleeves, which is a badass song. You have Convoy from Charlie Clouser. You have Sixth of June from It Dies Today, which I fucking love that song. Duality from Bayside. Laser Tunner. Laser Tunnel from Charlie Clouser. Wreck Itself Taking You With Me from Poison the Well. White Rabbit from Collide. Main Title from Charlie Clouser. Contagious from Searchlight. <laughs> I fucking love that song. My World from Emigrate. I'm So Sick from Flyleaf. Which is the T-Virus remix, which has the Legion of Doom with, it, with her too. So, and you have Paralyzed from Chimera. Daniel's over here fist bumping. And you have Cenotaph. Don't know if I'm saying that right from Emmanuel. I Suicide from Throwdown. One Love from the Legion of Doom. And Aiden. Yeah, I fucking love Aiden. They need to start touring again. Because <laughs> I'm very sad I missed their last tour. Death Car from Fightstar. Stupid Crazy from Shadows Fall and Asleep on the Front Lines from The Blood. So, yeah, fucking listen to the soundtrack. It's fucking amazing. All their fucking soundtracks are fucking amazing. But this is where it stops, though. Like, Afterlife doesn't have a soundtrack. Honestly, this is where most movies stop having, like, soundtracks. No, they need to keep going. I think they have, like, a few songs they use in the movie, and they're like, okay, this is your soundtrack. It's like four songs. Anyway. So yeah, go get the soundtrack. <laughs> go get that one. Go get the Apocalypse soundtrack. Go get Resident Evil soundtrack. Do it. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. Peer pressure. Oh, gosh. Well, well, on that note, I think it is time for us to go to our mid-break. And when we come back, we'll discuss the entirety of this movie. <laughs> well, here we are. The middle episode. Ariel. Huh? What do we do here? What? Oh, I hate you. <laughs> we thank our screw it, I'll do it. We'll thank our patrons. It's awful middly in here. Oh my we God. figured you'd get it one day or another. Uh, <laughs> so we do have to thank our patrons in all seriousness. And let's start off from the top. Our VIP patrons, such as Angelus Mortis. Oracle, Cerberus91, Chaotic Kia, Chris Slate, Donnie Shanks, Everything Res Evil, Naked Mango, Pocket Comet, The Compound, The Pumpkin King, The Seven Sins, and William Jackson. We also have to thank our all-access patrons, Dead Socks, Edward Parks, and Jeremy Kelly, and... Okay, I'm gonna try this. Joseph Suck Nanana. <laughs> How dare you, Aaron? <laughs> I'm I, trying. I think it's Joseph Sucknanan. Sucknanan. Okay. I tried. ADHD brain. Leave me alone. <laughs> and Remington Cloutier. And our official patrons, Love YT, Ryan Black, and some random guy. That's a lot. That's a lot of patrons. Y'all are awesome. Uh-huh. That's awesome to see. <laughs> Yeah, in all seriousness, yes, thank you very much. We do greatly appreciate it, and we greatly appreciate you listeners as well. 
Because you're just as important. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show. It's true. I looked on Google. (laughs) I Googled it. I wasn't for sure. So I Googled it. (sighs) (laughs) All right, fine. I'll be serious. That's a thing. No. But I do have to say a huge thank you. Yes, Ariel's right. Without listeners, we wouldn't have a show. And without you patrons, uh, we wouldn't be able to grow the show the way we can. So thank all of you. But with that being said. You know what? What? And thank you, Daniel. Oh? For showing up, you know? <laughs> so I actually have like a host to talk to. Shut up. Burn on Aaron. Mm. It's like, why am I being thanked? Oh, my God. All right, Daniel, what do you got? Do you want to feel official and professional in the Resident Evil environment? Yes. <laughs> then you might like this Resident Evil movie one, Resident Evil one movie peripheral, T virus, G virus test tube sample model, T virus antibody antidote inhibitor, hand me downs. Not sure about the last part, but <laughs> that's a lot for a name. It is basically, at least in this picture, it is a case. And it is filled with the different viruses. Ooh. Yeah, I looked at that when he sent me that, and I want it. So the way it has two different sizes, small tube and large tube. So I'm not for sure how this exactly works in here. The small tube is listed as 5311. The large tube is 6904. Ariel's odd numbers. Yep. It also has three options, which have the E-molds, which are the black, the T-virus, or T-abyss virus, which is red, and the T-original cell, white. So I'm not for sure, without contacting the vendor, how this exactly would go about. But if you get it on Etsy, the vendor is... Seung Chik. It's... Comes out of Hong Kong. So I believe it's a Chinese name. Xiong Cheuk. Yes, so that'll be in Discord and the show notes if you want to order that. And if you do, definitely let us know. It does have some good pictures, but you just need to look up. Resident Evil 1 movie peripheral T-virus, G-virus, test tube sample model. And that should get you to that. But we'll definitely have the links for it if you want to order that. And shipping is free on that so let us know if you get it or any if they answer any questions about it that's what I have if you want to look professional carrying around your T-virus case hopefully it's not filled with real viruses (laughs) yeah let's not do that well I now want to buy a giant case full of viruses yeah I want it (laughs) Aaron never lets me buy anything you're a liar you're a terrible one at that. Really? What have I gotten to buy? I'm looking at a wall of things. <laughs> yeah, all of those are like 20 years old. <laughs> Whatever. This does say hand-me-downs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ariel, what did you bring today? Sarcasm. <laughs> That's every day. I know. Now, I read an article much like I always do. And this one comes from Comic Book. And the title is, Resident Evil 5 gets surprise update nearly 14 years after release. Yeah, but why, though? Because 
that's a great game, buddy. <laughs> Min- so minus the AI. <laughs> so RE5 got a surprise update on Steam, the first of its kind that's gotten that it's gotten in quite a while. So while the changes were relatively small, this update at least did something for the game in terms of changing features as opposed to small maintenance updates. The notes for this update are quite brief indeed and can be found below. While it did fix some bugs, the two main things it did was removed the support for games for Windows Live while also adding local split screen co-op. So yeah, you get your split screen. Split screen co-op isn't something people really think of when it comes to PC games, but the option's there now, regardless if that's how you want to play. So, the update list for it is removed games for Windows Live support, will support local split screen co-op, and some other minor bug fixes. So, that's the list of the updates. So, if you are interested and play it on Steam... There you go. Get your split screen. Split screen, Danny. It is actually pretty affordable on Steam right now. How much is it? Uh, if you get one the gold edition, so you get all the DLC, it's seven dollars and forty nine cents. What? If you just want the main game, it's four ninety nine. That is stupid cheap. <laughs> yeah, it's seventy five percent off. Damn. Oh. So there you go, people. If you want to get it on Steam, you can. Pay the low price of seven whatever for uh, gold and four whatever for just a regular game. She doesn't want to say it. No, I don't like weird numbers. I might get it again so I have it on like four systems. (sighs) And you get your split screen. So yeah, I'll have the link for that in the show notes. So uh, I have exciting and not so exciting news. Why would you bring not exciting news? Because I have to inform our fans. I suppose. I already know what it is, so. (laughs) So, the first thing we have to talk about is the RE4 demo has dropped. And uh, I have seen some of it, but I haven't got a chance to play it yet. But I expect that we will be playing it sometime this weekend during recording. Yeah, this is all Aaron's fault, listeners. So I'm trying. I was trying to find it on Xbox last night. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the demo has dropped. Um, there's a lot of juicy details in it. And uh, there's even a hidden nightmare mode for those of you who want to go back and try to beat it on a harder difficulty. So, and we'll talk more about that in the next episode or so, I'm sure. But uh, the more prevalent issue at hand here is GameStop once again <laughs> dropping the ball. So there's this huge uproar right now in the fan base that GameStop has basically canceled all of their physical pre-orders of the collector's edition of Resident Evil 4 in-store and even some online orders. Now, there's a bit of mixed confusion on what's going on. So I reached out to our local GameStop and uh, had an opportunity to talk to one of the managers there. Great gentleman. I basically explained that he believes that it is cancellations due to the over... Basically, they were overselling too many pre-orders. 
And Ariel actually confirmed this because she was reading, I think, an article you said online somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. I wish I knew where it was so I could give you all like the link for it. Some hard facts. But yeah, so it seems to be that the cancellations are, in fact, due to the oversell of stock. So things to look out for on your end are, of course, call your local GameStop if you've ordered from them and just check on your order status. They should be able to tell you over the phone what the status of your current pre-order is. The second thing to look out for is if your order is canceled, you will receive an email from GameStop stating that it is, in fact, canceled. So just be on the lookout for that email and contact your local GameStop to figure out what is actually going on here. Uh, It's more than likely something to do with the distribution error. Uh, This happened to Ariel and I actually a couple months back when we pre-ordered the Numbskull Tyrant statue. And it was actually due to Numbskull themselves, not GameStop. Numbskull did not ship enough units as promised and GameStop attempted to make amends with their fans on that, but it was to no avail because the damage is already done. So just be careful uh, when pre-ordering things. And, uh, you know, it's not completely in the realm of control of the company you're pre-ordering from sometimes. So that's what I have on that GameStop news. but other than that I think that's it for the mid-break isn't it Ariel yeah I suppose so unless uh, you know people are interested in falling in reverse is tour (laughs) popular mons tour with Ice Nine Kills, Spirit Box, Slaughter to Prevail, Crown the Empire, and Catch Your Breath. And Under Oath, if I didn't say that. I want to go to this. Like, super bad. Ugh. Because I've already seen Ice Nine Kills, but I don't care. I'd see them again. And I want to see Falling in Reverse. I want to see Under Oath. I want to see Spirit Box. I want to see Crown the Empire. And I want to see Catch Your Breath. You know, go fucking see it. About that sidetrack, though. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, that's the end. I said my upcoming tour that I want to go to. You know what instrument they don't play, though? God, here it goes. The ocarina. I mean, it'd be pretty cool. I think it would be a pretty badass to some, like, hard rock with a fucking ocarina. You know where they could get one? Is it by chance STL ocarina? It is (laughs) by chance STL ocarina. But in all seriousness, head on over to STL ocarina. Use our promo code... L-O-Z-Lore-10 and save yourself 10% off of an ocarina. Yeah, I know this is more of a L-O-Z sponsor, but I thought I'd throw this in here because sometimes I randomly sprinkle this in places. So, yeah, head on over there. 
and save yourself 10% off of a beautiful ocarina. And they don't just have Legend of Zelda-themed ocarinas. They mm-hmm. have others as well. Like, they have D&D-themed. They've got um, Star-, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they got a bunch of different... They got a, some really cool ones. They really need a Resident Evil-themed ocarina. Hint, please, if you're listening, buy... All means I mean, make a Resident Evil one. They're close to it. They have Monster Hunter themed. No, this is Capcom, so I don't. Not I'm not enough. listening to you. <laughs> and I'll just roll on over to our other sponsor. Oh, here. there it is. Roll. Roll <laughs> on over to Fanroll Dice. Use our promo code Almighty C10, which is A L L Mighty, the letter C and ten. And save yourself 10% off a set of dice. Or dice trays, or dice bags, or dice towers, or whatever. All dice accessories. They are beautiful. Several different types of dice. Daniel just actually got two sets of mini dice that are actually really pretty. I love the blue set. How much do those cost? Those are $4.99 a piece. Seriously? Yeah. I got Stardust Super Volcano and Stardust Galaxy. That's stupid cheap for those. Was well, and they ship pretty quick. And he got ten percent off by using our promo code. <laughs> he actually did. So, um, I really like that galaxy one, the blue one. It's really pretty. Now we'll use them and we'll see how well they do. <laughs> so yeah, I will have the links for those two and the promo code in the show notes. I'm not saying you have to buy it, but I'm just saying you probably should. So <laughs> she's using intimidation to get people to buy things. Oh, like get I'm out of here. Like I'm intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Your five foot two stature is very intimidating. Could be. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. That's, that's all I got. That's, that's all you got. got, except for Disturbed and Breaking Benjamin are also touring together. I'm done. Well, anyway, in that, August. that's the end of mid-break. Thank you. Uh, we're going to the end of the show. Okay, bye. <laughs> well, here we are at the end of the episode. It's Indy. Oh, God. You Awful Indy. I yeah, you messed that up. butchered it. You butchered. We're here to talk about the movie. <laughs> so... Anybody want to bring up something that stands out to him? Yeah. Go ahead, Daniel. <laughs> Everybody's teeth were well maintained. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Me and Daniel both mentioned that when we were rewatching it cuz yeah. I mean, super pearly whites. I just want to say sand can be used as a toothbrush. Well, we to de- some degree. Well, we determined off air that there's probably like a large supply of toothpaste because it's not like an essential item during a zombie apocalypse. I mean, we did talk about we did talk about this because we were using Last of Us as a reference. Like there was a bunch of body wash and soap. Like all the hygiene products were like left alone when people raided stores. Yeah. We don't do this during apocalypse. So yeah, there's probably a large supply of toothpaste and it does take a while to expire and if it gets if it hardens up, maybe heating it up will put it back to a usable state. Just putting some water in there will put it back in a usable state to be honest. I mean shoot, even just using a toothbrush and water is still effective as well because it just gets the stuff off of your teeth. 
Yeah. I brought it up when we saw Chase and I was like, oh, his teeth are awfully white. All of them, like all of their teeth were off like super white except for Ma. 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 So I did go into one of my hyperfixation states when you guys were talking about toothpaste and I looked it up. It's not actually the toothpaste that expires. It's the fluoride in the toothpaste that expires. Oh, good. You can't be mind controlled then. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can still use the toothpaste. It'll still clean your teeth. It's just it won't have a protective coating of the fluoride. So. I just, it's funny because I get it. They're actors. They're all actors. They, you know. Pearly Whites. It's just funny to see in an apocalyptic movie <laughs> that... You know, this is like, what, five whatever years yeah. later? Mm-hmm. And their teeth are still super, super pearly white. They got pearly teeth. Ma had it covered. Yeah, except for Ma. 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 That's, that's what I wanted to bring up. <laughs> I hated, hated Alice's whatever you want to call it telekinetic power or mind abilities I just uh. I'm glad you mentioned that because I have so many more complaints about her powers rather than just the telekinesis but yes I don't think it was necessary at at all it was not necessary at all no no like I said before I was perfectly fine with her like faster stronger Abilities because her body bonded with the T virus. Okay. That's fine. Now she can just, oh, I'm just going to with my mind and just, just did not like. Zero out of 10. Zero out of 10. Did not like. My issue wasn't so much with her psychotelekinetic powers as it was with the fact that she was supposed to be stronger, faster, and smarter because of this T-virus enhancement. But she's also supposed to have this wonderful thing called regenerative capabilities that she doesn't seem to have demonstrated in this movie. It was slightly demonstrated in the second movie when she broke her finger and then she just cocked it back. But it's not demonstrated in any other part. Like, you can shoot a zombie or a tyrant. Well, not so much a zombie, but a tyrant. You shoot a tyrant and it's like insta-heals. Why isn't this happening for her? Plot armor. Yep. Yep, she that's, does plot armor. That's the worst kind of plot armor. It's lack of plot it's, armor. It's, yeah, lack of plot armor. I feel like it would have been slightly more... People would have been slightly more receptive had we taken away the psychic powers and just given her the regenerative capabilities. Yeah, I'd have been fine with that. That I makes mean, sense. That's what typical mm-hmm. mutation and like you know T virus mutations. And the argument can be made: well, they were satellitely you know controlling her, blah blah blah. Well, she's also smarter. So that being said, when they lost track of her, what's to say she couldn't have removed the chip that was inside of her, controlling her kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know if they necessarily did they have a track in her because it kind of like flashed in her eyeballs. It's not so much a track, but it seemed like they had like a control method like they did with like the tyrants and with Nemesis Nemesis and, you know, 
the tyrants in the movies that we've seen, they can they can control and give basic commands. And the nemesis in the movie itself, you know, was given basic commands. It seemed like they had some sort of compro- computer program like that in her. But that's my thing. Like, she could have been smart enough to remove it. Well, it all depends on where it's at and what it is. If it's a chip and if it's in her brain, you know, you start digging around in there, you're going to... Well, that... Okay, yeah, but there's the thing, too, is that she said she was in an umbrella facility years ago and found out what they were doing to her. Why couldn't she have just disabled the thing then? Like... Might not have access. Might be something you have to have a second person do. I'm sorry, but a super genius. There's how, no how way many, you don't have access. <laughs> how many people on her team were, other than Betty, were any type of medically affiliated? Well, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's like you had the computer in front of you. You could have just went, uh, there's how they're controlling me, and delete, insert virus, and problem solved. I don't think she's that computer savvy. Well... She was able to shut down a freaking laser grid. <laughs> you know what I would have done if I was Alice? I would have teamed up with the White Queen and said, because the White Queen would have been able to do that. Yeah. She would have been able to get into the systems and mm-hmm. completely fry it. Mm-hmm. As, as I'm saying, like, you could have taken the psychokinetic powers completely away and just given her regenerative, and it would have been more in line with actuality of the Resident Evil franchise than this whole cyber, super psychokinetic craziness. I think they tried to rectify that in the next movie, which yeah. I won't get into yet because yeah. we're not there yet, but <sighs> <laughs> one of my <laughs> favorite B.O.W.s is in the next movie too. Is it Wesker? No. <laughs> Fool. Fool. Um, so Daniel brought it up earlier. Chain link fences stop yeah. zombies. Yeah. It's the greatest <laughs> obstacle to, to zombies. Didn't we watch them in Apocalypse knock down chain link fences? Well, the thing is, I'm not sure. Probably yes. But like the thing is, they were able to rip the... Uh, like mm-hmm. the bars and stuff from Carlos's window when he crashed the tanker. Mm-hmm. They were able to rip that off of his window to get to him. But that puny ass chain link fence <laughs> and all of those zombies. Yeah. They couldn't knock it down together. Yeah. Not to mention, if you know anything about chain link fences, they're held together basically by steel wire wrapped around the poles and like it's it's that many zombies pushing against the fence at once it's going to force that binding to give and the chain link itself is just going to fall through because yeah, how many years was that many zombies around there not to mention you have deterioration from the sand and mm-hmm. yeah it's while we're talking about the armor that was on these vehicles why the hell did the armor just pop off the front of the bus when it hit a pole going, what, five miles an hour? Wasn't filled with enough plot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, this is the part that drives me nuts with movies, though. Like, they avoid they avoid the obvious, and they go, oh, by chance, this 1% chance of this happening out of 99,000, it well, happened. It becomes show over... Um, 
go Logic. usability. Yeah. It's like, hey, we want something to look nice. So if it pops off, that looks better than us being, eh, it'll stay on because it should stay on. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. The biggest complaint, though, I have here with this movie is they didn't really go it kind of just felt like Alice was just dropped back in and they gave us a two second explanation of what happened and why Carlos Jill like that whole crew just wasn't together anymore Uh, I wish they would have explained like I understand the actress that played Jill wasn't able to do Yeah, that's fine but you should explain why she isn't there and Angela Angela's gone too. Mm-hmm. From Apocalypse. Yeah. All that we had was Carlos and LJ. Yeah. So, like, as they were explaining, oh, Alice left because she didn't want them to be, you know, mm-hmm. caught up in umbrellas tracking her and shit. Okay. That's understandable. Carlos should have then explained where Jill and Angela was. Because I'm pretty sure Alice would have asked. Or even if she was still with them when Jill and Angela left. Because she stayed with them for a while. I think she said she left in Detroit or something like that or something. Okay, but us viewers have no idea what happened to Jill and Angela. Mm -hmm. So, you know, still an explanation would have been nice. Yeah, simple sentence. Some shit went down, so-and-so. That's it. Yeah, Jill took off to go here. Angela went to family before, you know, this whole thing happened. Something. Or even Jill took Angela to go to family they found. Yeah, something. Something. (laughs) Some sort of explanation would have been nice. That and the only other environmental complaint I have is the fact that Las Vegas was completely overran with sand, but yet I could still see roads. Like, what the hell is that? (laughs) Yeah, you know, well, someone had to maintain the roads. (laughs) All I can picture now is there's this guy who just drives across the U.S. in a street sweeper. That's his whole job in the apocalypse. See, it was ice hockey on his Zamboni, Mm. and then he met a timely end, and now he's a super undead. Yeah. Maybe Isaac's before this happened, so he knew they'd have a clear road through. Made them like super docile and gave them like happy music for them to sweep the roads. <laughs> gave them like some happy, like some good jams and shit. And oh. like he probably had them listen to the Resident Evil Extinction soundtrack. Oh my God. They were just, they were very happy and not full of rage. And so they swept the, the street so they, the convoy could come in and they could kill him. Now back to your container. Now back to your container. <laughs> so, uh, anybody else have any more complaints before we get to the good stuff? Things we liked? Yeah, I have a huge complaint. Oh. Why the fuck did they kill my boy off? <laughs> <sighs> I don't have I don't have a complaint about that one at all. That was a badass ending for Carlos. It was a very badass ending. I'm glad he at least got, like, a badass fucking death. But, why do you have to fucking... 
die. He was a fucking badass. The biggest thing that confuses me about that is Capcom has a rule saying that the characters that don't die in the series can't be killed off in the movies. I know. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe because Carlos was in three and that was it. Or alternatively, maybe the rule wasn't established until this happened. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'll have to look deeper into that and get the get the answer because yeah, that's weird. Carlos never died, but yeah, he hasn't been seen again since three. Sadly, I do like Carlos. There's hope. We're getting Jill back. We're getting Jill back. I know that is pretty cool. Mm. I can't wait for Death Island. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, OK, now the complaints are out of the way. Let's give it some compliments. OK, let's leave off on a good note. Do I hear crickets chirping? Oh, shut up. <laughs> now, um, what I will say, what I did like about it is I love the introduction of crows. Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, it was something different. We mm. had, we you know, we've had the zombies or undead, whatever. Zombies. We've had the Cerberus, Lickers. Now we got the fucking crows. I did really like that. Yeah, I did too. I did like too that they... The way they made the crows, like in the games, you're like, oh, no, it's the crows uh, pop up. But in this, they made them way more intimidating. The yeah. giant murder that was just descending upon them. A murderous murder of crows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was. That was awesome. Oh, it was awesome. I loved that. Even though I didn't like the psychic stuff, it was still cool to watch all of them go up in a giant burst of flame, too. Yeah. <sighs> I did like the flamethrower attachment to the bus, though, too. I, that, I, I, either it was a bus or one of the cars in the convoy. I can't quite remember. But that flamethrower attachment was a nice little caveat. Because it showed that they couldn't just fortify their defenses. They also had to have weapons that would allow them to disperse large crowds. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. I liked that. You have nothing to say positive about this movie, Daniel? Offhand, I can't think of anything. <laughs> but that's not saying that it was negative. I mean, I enjoyed the movie, but I can't think of super positive things that stood out to me. One thing I did like... I liked Kmart. I loved her mm -hmm. innocence. Yeah? It was just a nice touch. You have... From the get-go, you've had these main characters, and they're just badasses, and... Like, you have this main character that's just, to me, pure innocence. She's just a sweet girl. Teenager? Yeah. It is. And it does still show that even in the apocalypse, like, there's still going to be people that, that can't quite. They're not tailored towards this kind of lifestyle. You know? Yeah. It is nice to see, you know, you get a different branching and variation of characters. I did like the little touches, though, too, where they were showing that supplies were running low and it wasn't just because, oh, we haven't picked any up. It was inevitably after five years, since there's nobody making anything, we're going to start running out of stuff. Mm hmm. That was a nice touch, too. Yeah, because that sent me into the whole. Why did they make a convoy? <laughs> like inevitably you are going to run out of gasoline yeah 
that's just a given. You are going to run out of gasoline. Should have saved that gasoline. Went on runs for supplies. But, you know, found an area where you had access to fresh water, soil, and just fucking built a fortress. You had five fucking years. Built a fortress. Plant. Food. Find whatever surviving animals that you could. Cattle. For meat. You have fresh water. You got fish. You know, survive that way. Yeah, I do know. Well, now we're going back into complaints. <laughs> I didn't like the fact that they were like, oh, the whole world's dying. Because the T-virus never impacted the environment as much as it did living, breathing beings. Like, Yeah, and you could also argue, well, what happens if you don't have bees? Because then, well, you don't have this. Or, you know, like, yeah, animals do kind of affect the ecosystem, but... Yeah. That's if they get infected, for one. And, like, there's other factors. And, like, what Daniel said, if there's no plant life, you're going to suffer on that oxygen. Mm-hmm. It makes up a big, like, a majority of oxygen. I get that you can still have it without yeah. plants and shit, but that's a big thing. Well, that and they were talking about the oceans were drying up. I don't understand how the oceans were drying up. Like, like it's, everything would be dead at that point. Like, yeah, you I, would have no survivors. I just didn't understand how the oceans were drying up because even with, like, you took all the animals and stuff out of it, like, they don't impact the water. Like, let's say there's no sea life. Okay, yeah, the water will drop down some, but it's not going to drop down to the point where it's almost dried up. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -mm. <laughs> We're back to complaints. There's no people to cause greenhouse effect. Yeah, I feel like global warming would have kind of... Chilled out a bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but anyways, okay, let's go back to positives, good. Positives. Good, good. I, uh, I did like the incorporation of some new characters, though. I did like the fact that we got uh, some old returning fan favorites. And we got our girl Claire here. I love the way they portrayed Claire. Mm-hmm. I did too. Because she was a leader and she was a good leader. It was for the people. She was solely protecting all of the survivors. What was for the, you know, benefit of them. Yeah. But still being a hard-ass, uh, badass, because that's what she needed to be. Well, and... The other thing, too, was is that, and I, I propose this question to you both. The Claire we got in Resident Evil 2, original, wasn't that she wasn't a badass. It was just more of she was an innocent girl that took up arms in a fight to survive. But in the ongoing years that we've seen her in the video games, do you feel like she's taken on more of this Claire's persona? Like, not entirely, but more of the, like, leadership role? Yes and no. Yes and no. 
they still, I don't know. I still feel like they still are trying to portray her as that innocent. Mm-hmm. She's a fucking, she's a badass in her own right, and she should be portrayed as a badass. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to make her this innocent. She's a badass. I will argue that I feel like they made her a little too much of a asshole in this movie. Like, she was a little too direct sometimes. <laughs> I feel like that's not Claire's way. She's still kind-hearted, but she's a badass. Well, I feel like it's, she had to be. There's this person that yeah. just came in that has fucking mental powers, like, and, you know, umbrellas tracking her and all this bad shit, and she came to the convoy where she is, Claire, she mm-hmm. is trying to protect all of these people. I mean, you kind of have to be direct at that point. Yeah. She was only doing it to look out for her convoy. She wasn't ever outright, you have to get the fuck out, Alice, but, you know, you probably should get the fuck out. Yeah. I did. I wish we would have seen more of our medic. Betty, you like Ashanti? Betty was awesome. I I loved Betty. In the brief moment we got to meet her, I really wish Betty would have stuck around a little bit more. I mean, just the look of her. She she had bandoliers of bullets. She's a fucking badass. She she looks like she was screaming some badass energy. I wish we would have got to see more of her. There was a lot of death in this. I know they were saying that they wanted this to be gorier. They succeeded. There was a lot of death. Mm -hmm. You fall in love with these characters that we just met and then die. Because Otto was just, he was a sweet old chimney sweep, like you said. He was just a sweet, sweet guy. He was a sweet chimney sweep. (laughs) I will say, you're right. They did a really good job of making us fall in love with characters fast and then taking it away. You felt like you knew these characters forever, and then they just took them out from under you. Yeah, and then, of course, LJ, too. It was like, let's just kill off everyone from Apocalypse except Alice. Clean sweet. Because LJ, I fucking love LJ. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Carlos, like, he's sexy GTA, as fuck. Fucker. He's dead. Now, I did like LJ's when he got bit. When he fired at the zombie, and then he, it was actually a mirror he yeah. fired at. That was pretty pretty cool. <laughs> that was. Uh, Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, there was, as much as you look at this movie and you go, oh my gosh, this doesn't seem very realistic and or on par with the Resident Evil franchise. You also look at it and go, but it is a really badass apocalyptic movie. Like, it does scream a lot of, like, on par what would happen in the apocalypse kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Give or take. So, before we bring this to a close and give us some ratings, I have to ask, what are your personal thoughts on Alice having some clones of herself? Mostly unneeded, except for the one plot armor part. (laughs) Well, I don't get and I didn't like this how are they capable of implanting memories 
So, I have something on this. I don't know if it's going to be okay, but I did read an interesting fact that in the scene where Alice original is sleeping and all the stuff is levitating and she seems to be flashing through her memories, that was supposed to be a hint to us as the viewer that she is actually sharing her memories through a psychic bond with an Alice when they wake up. So it's not that they're imprinting memories on these people, on these clones. It's the fact that Alice is sharing her memories via psychic bonds. That part, okay. Okay. That makes a little more sense. However, when I talked about Dr. Isaacs, he is a clone with imprinted memories. Is that the same thing that's going on then? Was the real Dr. Isaacs? Yeah, when I talked about the character, boy, I need you to listen. (laughs) You're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, yeah, Dr. Isaacs is gone, got it. Maybe the same thing's going on. They just said that they imprinted the clone with memories. I don't, Mm -hmm. how the fuck are you able to imprint memories? There, you can't just suck a memory out of a brain. No, but here's the thing, though. Memories are just wrinkles on the brain. So if you're able to duplicate the brain, every square inch of it, then technically you're able to duplicate the memories. Mm. Don't think that's how it to works. To a degree? Uh, no, that's, that's not how it <laughs> works. Well, I tried. Your I science tried. isn't working. But I, I could spend the next hour on why this is impossible. But so we don't have that time. So just <laughs> Everything know, in I this know. is impossible. <laughs> but... I guess that would explain it a little more if it's we share this a psychic bond. Okay. Well, and maybe that's the case with Dr. Isaacs too. Maybe they maybe they didn't imprint the memories per se. Maybe used a technique where they kept the original close to the clone long enough for them to gain the memories and then just disposed of the original kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, because the Alice we saw wake up at the end of the movie was a lot more in tune with the Alice that we know as the original than the other clones that we've seen throughout the series or throughout this movie. We also don't know how much she may have told that clone either. She didn't tell that clone anything. She was dead in her arms. <laughs> she woke up and saved her at the end. Yeah, that's that clone. That's the clone. The one that dies. She didn't die. She looked like she died. Yeah, but as I'm saying, you're saying how much the original told the clone? After. When she said that we've got, I'm bringing friends. Oh, well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that the Alice that woke up and then died had the knowledge to shut down the laser grid like the original Alice did in the first movie. With the White Queen's help. I would think. Eh, okay, we can argue that. Yeah, I can go both ways on that one. I can see that. I just, I get where you're coming from, though, Ariel. Like, it is kind of, either way you wash it, it's still kind of fucked that they're talking about sharing memories. Yeah. I liked the clone idea. Because it kind of fell in line with Resident Evil, or what Umbrella Corporation has been known to do in the past. They make lots of clones of things. <laughs> And why not clone the perfect super soldier? Ugh. 
It's about them ratings. <laughs> All right. What do we got for ratings? Ariel, you're up. What do you got? I give this a three out of five, Leon's. Oh, well, that's surprising. Yeah. I had more dislikes than likes in this movie. The story, let's, if we just go on the story, the story really wasn't there. Yeah. It was kind of all over the place. Alice was a huge, huge focus in this film. Yeah. And I get it. These films are about Alice. Okay. But it was just, it seemed like it was too focused on her and her mental abilities. You did have like these characters, these cool new characters that we just got introduced to and they died. So I wasn't a big fan of that. And like I said, like all of the old characters dead now. It's just, let's just keep focusing on Alice. I wasn't, I just wasn't, I liked it enough. Mm. But it just wasn't my favorite out of the films. I have more dislikes than I have likes. So that's why it's getting a three out of five. Well, and a three still isn't a bad rating. It's just average. Yeah. It's an average movie. Yeah. Okay. Daniel? I think I'm going to give it four out of five, Rebecca's. Oh, a little above average. Okay. What we got? Uh, Well, we can say Kmart is our wannabe Rebecca, but I don't know because <laughs> she should have then had the Betty role, but. But anyways, I plot hit and miss with certain parts, and then what else was going to bring up? No, I don't remember. I had it right before. Bust up in that great. I think it was another put down. <laughs> no, overall, I liked it. Oh, uh, what it was was the sounds or the some of the soundtrack that was more of the music was. I don't know if it was just me, but when Carlos was driving the convoy to it the, towards the uh, indestructible chain link fence, that it sounded a lot like the Terminator theme a little bit, <laughs> like maybe a, a changed yeah. version, but it sounded a lot like do, that. Do, 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 do. Yeah, so I thought it was kind of cool. And then, of course, I did like the Carlos explosion because I, in a lot of movies, I like the crashes and explosions. So that maybe that's where I got an extra one above aerials because of the explosions. I mean, I will give it to them. At least they gave him a really badass ending. I still have complaints about that explosion because that was an awful large frigging explosive wave for... Anyway, okay. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of fuel left in that empty tank. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm going to give 4 to 5 for that. Like I said, I didn't have... I had a lot of negatives, but I also... It was an alright movie to me, aside from the whole clone thing. So 4... Rebecca's out of five. Yes. So uh, for once, I believe, in the entire history of this show, I am actually going to agree wholeheartedly with Ariel and give it a three hunks out of five. Because though it is not a bad watch, it is a very much an average movie from what I've come to expect out of the Resident Evil movie franchise from Paul Anderson. There was a lot of things that it, the plot seemed to be going in 16 different directions. The characters themselves didn't stick around long enough to actually hold any sort of weight other than a quick emotional, oh, I feel bad, and then you're back to it. It very much seemed more like an action flick 
than it did a Resident Evil mystery kind of esque like survival horror. Yeah. It didn't feel very survival horror, just felt more like an action movie and I was a little disappointed by that, but still a good movie to watch. But it's a very average one for me. Not much out of this movie I remember. Honestly, before we watched it, the only things I can remember is Carlos dies through a giant explosion, Alice has clones, and Alice has psychic powers. Oh, yeah, and Claire's in it. <laughs> That's all I remember before we watched this. Before this. <laughs> uh, so, with that being said, there's our ratings. What do we have next, Ariel? What's Die on? a little inside. Oh. Now, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to take a tiny little break from movies. I say this, it's like a two-week break. Because we're going to discuss characters. Ooh. And what I mean by this is we're going to say, like, the main characters, what we like about them, what we don't like about them, how, like, the world sees them as compared to, you know, us. Hmm. Okay. Things we could, like, what we like about their their characters, their personalities, stuff like that. Just kind of having a little fun with that. And then patron chat is going to be our patrons discussing the same things. So that'll be the next two weeks. And after that, we will go to Afterlife. Woo! <laughs> where my favorite B.O.W. appears. Ah. I'm, I'm ready to figure out which one that is. Is it Mr. X? No, nope, we can't say anything. <laughs> uh, well, before we wrap this uh, episode up, I'm going to steal it from Daniel first. I'm going to change things up. Uh, if you want to come hang out with me or you want to listen to more of our stuff, you can always go to wherever you get your podcasts and just type in Fumbling For and the Almighty Crit. You'll find all the lovely shows that we do. Uh, in addition to that, you can always come hang out with me and whichever one of these dorks decides to jump in with me uh, on my Twitch stream. It's uh, Almighty Crit on Twitch. And uh, we just we stream Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central Time and Saturdays at 9 p.m. Central Time. And we just play whatever the hell we feel like playing. Always up for recommendations from fans, too. <coughs> Resident Evil. <laughs> That may be on the agenda. I'm always going to recommend Fast and Phobia. <laughs> I might actually join you if you play Resident Evil. Hey, I mean, it is only eight bucks. So I might be able to get five and get you on to uh, split screen it. <laughs> That'd kind of be like an only me and you streaming thing, though, because you can't really. That's okay. <laughs> so, Daniel, what about you? We want to hang out with you? Want to chill with you? Are you asking if? we want to oh my god where do we find you <laughs> well you can find me in multiple places you can find me on twitch slash fumbling for daniel and the four is the number not the word <laughs> just wanted to clarify that you can also find me on twitter the same name slash fumbling for daniel to see when i go live i generally stream on mondays around 7 p.m central time and on thursdays around 7 p.m central time currently i've been playing skyrim on mondays and Shadow the Tomb Raider on Thursdays. And then if Aaron does decide to play a game that I own and want to play, 
I will either at least join in or stream if my computer decides to behave that day. I think that's mostly it for me. And then you can listen to me in any other podcast. And depending on which podcast it is, especially if you do Fumbling 4, uh, you'll hear a mousling if you listen to season one. This awesome mousling that got mouse snapped. Oh my god. There's more to it if you want to hear about me getting mouse snapped. Anyways. So, uh, Ariel, if we want to hang out with you, where do we go? What do we do? So, Aaron doesn't let me have any fun. That's not true at all. So, I don't stream. You don't stream by choice. <laughs> Would you let me talk? Defending myself. Yeah, shut up. So, I don't do anything fun because, you know, all work and no play. So, you want to get a hold of me, I am on Discord. But I highly suggest tagging me. I am Resident Evil Lorecast Ariel because uh, it's better off I'll see it that way. Because I suck. (laughs) Don't worry, I tag her all the time. Don't worry, everyone. I'm going to keep trying to push her until she does stream. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, yeah, I'm, yeah. But if you tag me, I will 100% see it because it pops up on my phone. So, yeah, that is really about it. All work and no play. What? Makes Ariel a dull fucking woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye there. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.